Welcome to No Challenges Remaining on day 12 of the French Open. I'm Ben Rothenberg. After today's women's semifinals, the women's final at the French Open is now set for Saturday at Roland Garros, and it will be fourth-seeded Sofia Kennan going up against 54th-ranked Iga Sviantek. Kennan beat Petra Kvitova 6-4, 7-5, and Sviantek beat Nadia Podoroska 6-2, 6-1. Sviantek's run has been utterly dominant at this tournament, not losing more than five games in any of her six matches. Through all that dominance, which started with the first round route over last year's runner-up Marketa Vondrosheva, 6-1-6-2, and then continued with another route in the fourth round over number one and prohibitive title favorite Simona Halep, also 6-1-6-2, the most impressive part of Sviantek's performances has been her mental composure in this uncharted territory in her career. 19 years old, even as pressure dramatically shifted in the quarterfinals and semifinals when she was suddenly expected to win against opponents who had come through the qualifying draw, Sviantek looked unflappable and carried on with her business. As we mentioned in the show before, Sviantek has taken the somewhat unusual early career step of working closely with a sports psychologist, Daria Abramovich, who has been traveling to tournaments with Sviantek since the 2019 clay court season. That work is clearly paying dividends now, as she's in the final at just 19. So on this episode, you'll hear from Daria Abramovich, the sports psychologist of Iga Sviantek, whose birthday will be on Saturday during the women's final as her player plays in the final for her first Grand Slam. Happy birthday, Daria. So before you hear from our interview, which we did today after Sviantek won her semifinal, first here are a couple clips of Sviantek talking about their work together from press conferences this week. At the beginning, I felt a little bit more pressure, but because... I feel like uh, after being Simona, I'm not an underdog anymore. But um, yeah, I talked with Daria about it, but I just kept everything as, like I kept my mindset from the previous matches and um, I was just focusing on on tennis, you know, and not that I'm playing quarterfinal and not that I'm playing um, girl with lower ranking. I just just (laughs) play tennis, you know. Iga, you've been so self-assured this tournament. Do you ever suffer from nerves on a tennis court? Um, well, I'm working with psychologists, obviously, as I said in the other interviews. So I'm dealing with my nerves pretty pretty good. And um, I feel like I've been so efficient and so focused for whole matches that uh, I put a lot of pressure on my opponents. And um, I'm not even nervous in second sets because I know that it's going to probably go my way but um, it's going to be different in the final because I'm going to play with much more experienced players and uh, yeah I, I think it's going to be a tough match no matter who I'm going to play against so I will need to be on a different level you know the higher level even though I'm winning easily um, right now. Ben? Iga, congratulations. I just wanted to ask a similar sort of question about, about Daria because I know there are lots of players who have worked with sports psychologists at some point in their career, but you did it so early on in your career. I mean, she was really there from the beginning of when you were coming to the pro level. So what let you know that this was going to be such an important part of your game and your development to have this mental person who's not only you're working with, but who's traveling with you too. And it's a different sort of level of commitment to this role than we see for most players. Yeah, that's true. I mean, traveling, it's kind of, it was also new for me because when I worked with the other psychologists, they, they stayed uh, in Warsaw. So, 
Uh, basically, that's how Daria works, and that's her style of working. So I'm really happy that she chose me to travel with because she has like many other players. But she was also traveling with them, like with the like with sailors or cyclists. So um, right now she's focusing on me, and I'm really happy because uh, she's doing a great job. And uh, actually, I don't know how how I made the decision when I was younger, but I always wanted to work with web psychologists because I had this belief that um, it's like a big part of the game. But um, my parents, like, they weren't as open to that as I was. So actually it was, it's, I don't know where that came from, <laughs> to be honest. Thank you, Iga. And now here is my chat with the sports psychologist, Daria Abramovich, about her work and her work specifically with Iga Sviantek. Enjoy. Very happy to be joined by Daria Abramovich, the sports psychologist who's working with Iga Sviantek, who is into the final of the French Open in Paris this week. Daria, congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Hi. Hi, everyone. (laughs) What has this week been like for you? I don't know if you did you plan on being in Paris for two weeks before you got there? We actually didn't pack this much, uh, so <laughs> so it is a little bit of a surprise. But um, but not. It, it, I mean, we're not so surprised as uh, one thought they we, we will be. We actually have some tough weeks, and you know the comeback of sports, especially tennis, uh, yeah. in this new COVID reality. I, I assume it was a challenge for everybody. For sure, it was a challenge for us in so many ways. So we knew what she's capable to do. She knew this too. Maybe that's why expectations were a little bit too high uh, during the U.S. mini swing. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we didn't pack this much, but uh, for sure, certainly, uh, we are very satisfied with, with this week's performance. You know, it's brand new territory for us, obviously, to for Iga to be in a real grand slam final, but uh, but not surprised to to see her perform this well. So you've been doing lots of laundry then this week, if you didn't. Oh yeah, it. almost yeah. every day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So I just want to get into your background first. It's our first time chatting. How did how did you get into to your field of sports psychology? What, what did you study and, what, and how did you wind up in this sort of job? So I'm actually an athlete, athlete for life, as I wrote on Instagram profile. Um, okay. I started with sailing uh, when I was a very, very little kid because I was born uh, in this uh, town which which lays uh, in the, uh, the longest lake in Poland. Hmm. So it was kind of obvious obvious choice for me. And then pursued this path. Uh, which was not a career uh, up till I was uh, 18. Then there was the injury. I started to work as a coach. And then I worked uh, almost 10 years as a coach. Uh, so it's quite a lot of time. You know, I, I did my studies uh, in PE education and then psychology, sports psychology, some some additional stuff. So what I like to think about my experience and my background is that I, I try to use this experience all in all those fields as an athlete as a coach to to use it wisely to use it uh, properly uh, in the field of sports psychology then i started working as a sports psychology i have an experience with the polish cycling national cycling team swimming team um, a lot of high performance athletes but i work with uh, what used to not so much maybe anymore but i i used to work uh, with, with children with parents with uh, organizations as well so people who don't know, if you can just sort of define more what sports psychology is, what the field entails, because I think people, is it how does it differ from a normal sort of coach and how does it differ mm-hmm. from a normal sort of, you know, psychologist who might help people in their, in do their we normal have, lives? 
do we have five hours for that? Sure, take as much time <laughs> as you want here, Daria. Because you know, um, I, I I really different. I have different definitions for this field because uh, there is obviously psychology, there is psychotherapy, psychiatry as well, and then we have this performance psychology, which uh, addresses to, for example, artists. Uh, sport sports field um, business so uh, all these um, all these these fields which uh, requires you to perform um, and this is a little bit different obviously most of the time it's not a psychotherapy in, or if it might be if a specialist has this uh, this experience and knowledge but because the psychologist and psychotherapists are like different uh, professions mm-hmm. um but uh, sports psychology means that you want to use the tools and that you want to be prepared to perform the best as you can and then what i like to what the term what i like to use is psychology in sports which for me means something which includes psychotherapy sometimes. So, for example, disorders, mental disorders, taking care of mental health, education, mm-hmm. um, psych- psychiatry if it's necessary, obviously, and then obviously sports psychology itself. But this is kind of my philosophy. It's not a scientific term or formal term, uh, but that's, that is how I would describe and that's my way of, of doing this. So, so how much does it just sort of focus on how, how holistic, I guess, is it? How much is it if you're talking to an athlete, you know, it's about just what to do in the pressure of this moment or how much do you have to get into things like their relationships with their parents, relationships with, you know, their boyfriend or girlfriend that might be going badly or something. You know, how much does the sort of the personal life stuff have to be part of your work uh, as well when you're talking about just the <laughs> on field or on court uh, performance? You know, what's the most uh, was the favorite uh, answer psychologists can give you? For every question, What's it depends. It depends <laughs> <laughs> because you know it, it. It 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 depends on on a person. It depends on her background, and it depends on the on the like sports and and uh, a lot a lot of factors. Yeah. Uh, but um, I work this way almost all the time. Obviously, if someone is you know approaching me, uh, coming to me and saying I want to perform best, I try to show this path. Okay, we can, for example, focus on your stress management or emotion management. But then sometimes they're popping those things, you know, those those other things like, for example, your relationships, or maybe uh, if you're mindful or not, or maybe you're um, distracted by something, which uh, it might not be, uh, it might not concerning. Sp- like concern sport itself. Yeah. So it's always an athlete's choice uh, and a coach's choice, a parent's choice. But I educate, I try to increase social awareness, especially in sports environment and, and society. And uh, I'd like people to try this holistic approach because from my point of view, uh, as my experience shows, it's the most effective way. For Iga, how did you first meet Iga? How did you first become aware of, of Iga? I was um, introduced and even before our uh, agency told that Iga would be interested to start a cooperation, to start um, some appointments. We first met in uh, Budapest 2019. Okay. And then started it. And that's how it goes. And how, and how does it start when you're first meeting an athlete? What do you sort of do to try to, to figure out what they, what they need? 
Well, again, it, it, it again it depends for of of you know it it depends on many things uh, here or the guy it was uh, because obviously I follow uh, sports environment especially Polish uh, uh, and and some are laughing joking that I follow sports like twenty five eight <laughs> but um, <laughs> but that's how my job looks like sometimes so we've discussed uh, areas and fields she'd like to work on. Um, she's very, very, very conscious and aware on like how she wants to develop in this field. She's obviously, as she speaks publicly, she really thinks that mental health and uh, mental preparation for for the performance is very, very important for her. So she was very open-minded that from the beginning, even she was just before her her 18th birthday. Um, so we just, you know, started step by step. I'm guessing, I mean, it surprised me that she was so clear about this focus in her career and in her in her craft on the mental side at such a young age. I mean, has that been unusual mm -hmm. for you? I would think usually this would be, I would think that the sports psychologist would be something people turn to maybe once they've already had some sort of difficulties in their career. But she's doing it really before her career even gets beginning when she's already at, the, at this very early stage. Is that atypical unusual for, for you it is it is yeah. it is completely unusual um and i really really appreciate and respect it a lot mm -hmm. i think she's the most uh, aware athlete i have ever been working with hmm. um even she's just 19. Wow. so all um, big credits uh, for for her parents for family and obviously for her herself because she's you know so willing to dig into this to understand it better to uh, not only work on herself and for herself but to understand to understand how this mind thing works in yeah. general so i think it's very valuable when you're talking to her, obviously, and you're not, you know, you don't have a background specifically in tennis, really, but can you tell from just her personality, there's something that's going to make her a special performer in her field, just even just from seeing her mm -hmm. just on the conversation side? Well, she's very bright. Um, oh, yeah. And as I said, as I said, open-minded, not always, uh, because <laughs> sometimes she's, uh, she's not only determined, but even stubborn, which sure. is demanding, challenging in terms of discussing a lot of things. But you know, it's a great value for an athlete uh, who, who's, uh, for example, playing tennis because this is kind of a solitary profession. Um, this kind, this discipline, especially, um, obviously not doubles, but we're talking about mainly about singles yeah. right now. So, uh, and then there is this. Um, I like to call it maybe a little bit poetical, but I love her, this fire she has in her, you know. Yeah. And as I don't have any experience with tennis as a coach or a tennis player obviously but i've seen a lot of athletes and i've seen a lot of uh, competitions uh, and and she's unique in this kind of in this in this term so i think this is if you know if you have such big potential at the beginning and then you're willing to work on that and to try to develop those tools and resources that they will reach this potential then you have your recipe for a good performance, great performance even, and then eventually success is a kind of a result of that. Yeah, for sure. You mentioned her being bright. I remember last year at Wimbledon, her carrying around some enormous like history book that she was reading. It was like a thousand pages long or something. And she was actually, I could tell, I was told the story yesterday, but she was like moving her bookmark through the, I could tell that she was actually reading it as the tournament went along. And I was really surprised that, you know, you don't usually see athletes reading, you know, tough stuff or being interested in all these different sorts of academic sorts of things. How unusual is that side of her personality, that sort of intellectual curiosity that she has? 
Yeah, she's asking a lot of questions. And then, you know, sometimes I feel that I'm challenged on a daily basis, on a daily mm -hmm. basis. Uh, but I really like it because uh, it's not maybe so modest, but I, I kind of feel that I'm kind of bright in an intellectual way too. So sure. then we have this thing, which is very helpful because um, she feels that I understand her. We can really, you know, talk sometimes about sailing, sometimes about cycling. For example, uh, we were watching cycling uh, Tour de France uh, during during Rome, uh, last stages uh, the, during the tournament. And she's, you know, very curious. She's asking a lot of questions. I'm always willing to answer. So I, I like this, I like, you know, to fuel up this curiosity because I, yeah. Personally and professionally, I do believe that this is a very important thing, especially in the modern world for such young people. Yeah, and to have the challenge for you to sort of make you, you know, keep you from being, even yourself just being complacent, have that yeah. sort of tension there is good. Always on my toes. Yeah. <laughs> um, you travel with her, which is, I feel like, not very common for a sports psychologist. I mean, the ones who I know, the athletes who I've talked to in tennis who have worked with sports psychologists, almost, I've never seen almost any of them at a tournament, or at least pretty rare. And even mm -hmm. traveling with her a lot. Why is it important for you that you are part of the, you know, on-site, in-person team rather than just being someone who she sees when she's home or she talks to on the phone? Well, I, I, I always like to see an athlete in her or his war zone. Uh, yeah. during uh, all the things that are important. You never can replay directly when you're sitting in the office chair by chair. But uh, here, you know, I, I, I feel that we are a good team uh, yeah. in terms of relationship as well, in terms of communication. And, and we have our own jokes. We have our own drills and routines. So um, it's valuable and it helps uh, navigating, for example, for challenging times or or tournaments or stuff. So it's extremely important for me that I have this uh, this chance and opportunity to travel with Iga. Uh, we are and we were in the past and we definitely will be discussing it in the future how often I will be traveling with her and how we'll solve this. Uh, but I do feel that um, for athletes, especially in this modern world, the high-performance athlete, and even more when she or he's uh, in such a young age, yeah. not being alone and lonely, especially, is a very important thing. And I remember Michaela Schiffer in Alpanskier told, like last year, that she feels uh, that an athlete never should be lonely. And hmm. it, it, for example, you can see this pattern that um, a lot of uh, champions, a lot of athletes um, you know, competing on high performance level, they are traveling maybe with um, with a bigger team or with family. They start in travel with family, uh, which is, which is I think, a sign of the times for me. You mentioned family. Uh, Iga's father, I know, was a, a rower in the Olympics. I'm not sure if her mother had any athletic background. I'm not, I haven't heard much mm -hmm. about her mother. But how does that sort of, do you think, help shape her as an athlete that she has a sportsman well, in her family who is at a high level? Obviously, I have this uh, confidential and the, 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 uh, the privilege that I have to uh, sure. uh, have to respect. But obviously, it has a, a lot of uh, a lot of influence on her. Okay. Um, and you know, when you have this uh, at home on a daily basis, uh, there's a kind of attitude and and uh, some some thoughts and some behaviors that are uh, connected with the with sport especially high performance sports i think it's uh, very valuable i think it's like that you you're raising you're, you're raised in, uh raised up in this kind of environment it's it's extremely important
you mentioned being on site. So how does your work sort of structure into her day? Like, I know obviously a tennis player will have a time where they go on court and practice. And that's sort of a dedicated time that's mapped on the schedule. Do you make your own time, that's sort of a, a set time that you plan to talk to Iga every day? Is it structured like that or is it more loose? Or how do you fit into her schedule and her routine? It's it's very loose. I try to, I try to structure it, but it didn't work. Yeah. <laughs> and she's such a young spirit, you know, and, and free spirit that it works best when we have this loose thing. And sometimes, sometimes uh, during the lunch break for like 15 or uh, 20 minutes, I can do more than I would do sitting again at the office uh, chair by chair. That's how it goes here. Uh, sometimes we discuss matches, sometimes we discuss behavior, sometimes we discuss um, something random which uh, drives me to you know uh, any conclusions that are yeah. important for her sport and performance and again it needs to, to be on the toes uh, all the time but it works very very well we always do some preparations uh, before the matches uh, which includes obviously mental training preparation but then again discussion about the stress or emotion management and discussion uh, about the opponent always yeah. almost always so yeah it's just very spontaneous sometimes and i know it might sound a little bit unprofessional but it but it's not it's it's no. just you know it's just loose but it works perfectly in terms of opponent what do you mean in terms of just like what kind of challenge i'm guessing not tactical in the match but like no what? absolutely not so, not my not my field but uh we we, we discuss uh, what might trigger what might be the best way to behave what my you know opponent think about you or your behavior when like how maybe you can use uh, if if your opponent is might be fatigued or tired or something mm. it is a little bit uh, a little bit uh, topic for the discussion yeah and then this week i mean her role has sort of changed so quickly because she went from being this unseated player you know who's going up against halep in the fourth round who beat her very easily last year and you know big underdog you know, so this cliche is nothing to lose and mm -hmm. then she wins that match so dominantly and then her next two matches are against qualifiers, where suddenly she is expected to win in these stages where she'd never played before. So I would think the pressure sort of the that dynamic has shifted. And now mm -hmm. all of a sudden she's in a Grand Slam final. So it's all these sort of new things and the pendulum has sort of swung a lot in terms of this this tournament already. How have, how have you adjusted to this, this two weeks in particular, this wild ride mm. that she's been on? And she's been playing amazing. Her scores the whole time have been incredible. It sounds exhausting, right? Yeah. Especially that she has doubles. Yeah, add, uh, addition to, to add that too. I will say something which might sound like cliche, but every day is a new day and every match is a new match. And it's just, you know, sometimes I like to think about tennis tournament as it was a book. Mm. So you have like yeah, different chapters, sometimes uh, sections, and then you have different pages, you have different sentences. Mm. And if someone's writing a book, Obviously, the writer has this idea, general idea, and the plot, for example, but uh, the writer has to be focused on every sentence. And you have, and then tennis is this sports of, with pauses. You have like point pause, uh, set pause, match pause, especially during a Grand Slam when basically if you're placing as you have like day off. So, what I really, really like to use, and I do just that is try uh, to convince my athlete try to convince Iga for example to be uh, focused on being here and now uh, this in this moment to use uh, resources and tools just to perform the best as you can and then 
as I said earlier, the eventual win, eventual success would be the result of that. You do not have your influence. You don't have influence. You don't have control on the result. You have control on the process. Mm. So uh, this is this is the the main uh, thing that I I'm I'm focusing on. I feel like so much people talk about athletes, especially in this sort of moment, not wanting to have them think too much. They talk about thinking being sort of the enemy, you know, or a bad thing, where especially, and I think people have, I've heard commentators, at least in the US and TV, talk about the doubles as a positive, that she has something else to think about on the off days. So she doesn't spend too much time thinking about these big singles matches. And, and even just, and even just her being, you know, smart, like we said, and being intellectual and reading these books, I think sometimes people can think of players overthinking things and complicating things as being a negative for an athlete, especially maybe in tennis. And mm-hmm. I'm curious how you sort of balance that, if you, how much you try to let her embrace those thoughts or how much you have her try to push the, the overthinking away and to, and to turn off her brain when possible. Well, we have our routines. She has her own routines um, during uh, evenings uh, and preparations for, for the match. Um, but uh, we use uh, every match, you know, as a as a new experience, uh, and and then decide we decide how to recharge, how to cope with the, with the, all the potential tension or um, or burden sometimes when it happens. But for Iga, obviously, this is a brand new thing as well to be in uh, final singles and semifinal uh, doubles. Uh, eventual final doubles would be <laughs> would be a next thing to to cope with, uh, but. You know, if you have an ability to find your jo- cliche again, to find your joy, to sometimes feel free and spontaneous, then you can and, and doubles can actually give you that. You know, to feel to feel more uh, joyful and more having more fun, yeah. it might be really helpful and kind of in in, in mental kind kind of way. From from my point of view, obviously, I don't want to talk about tennis and, and and physical things, but from my point of view, it's a very valuable experience, especially here when such so much is happening around the yeah. uh, and even. I mean, I feel personally that so much uh, is happening around our team right now. For sure. And then last thing, how do you get her ready for this first Grand Slam final? This is a moment she's been, I'm sure, dreaming of for her whole life. This big occasion, this well, big championship match. How do you, how, how, is that? Is that that has to be different in some way? I would think in terms of how you prepare for it. I'll be I'll be boring. Nothing will be different. Okay. We're we're gonna do because you know I like to say that if something works, just do that again. If something yeah. doesn't work, just change it. So if, you know, everything we did led us to this point, to this stage of the tournament, why should we change something now? That makes a lot of sense. <laughs> Daria, thank you very much yeah. for your time here. I appreciate thank it. You. Good luck on Saturday. Thank you. Thank you Thanks. very much. Cheers. Thank you very much to Daria. And thank you to you all for listening to No Challenges Remaining during this French Open. This was our 12th French Open episode. Three more to go. If you've been enjoying all these episodes and different perspectives we've been bringing you, from inside and outside of the sport, and want to show your support for the show, one great way to do that is on our Patreon page, patreon.com slash no challenges remaining. We'd like to thank our one new backer since the last show on Patreon, Denise Wong. Thank you very much to Denise. And thank you, as always, to our Slam Champ backers who we thank on every episode, Liz Kennel, Jonathan Weinbaum, Mary Carrillo, Leah Williams, Truong Nguyen, Betty, Audrey Wellens, Shamal Roy, Susanna W., Jean Simeon, and Antonio Maycumber, as well as our four GOAT backers, Mike, Charles, Cena, Nicole Copeland, and J.O.D. Hope all those backers and everybody else has been enjoying this tennis and are keeping your minds free and right during these weird 
times. The finish line is in sight in many ways. Bye, guys.